Hopefully you have an outline in front of you that says, Lasting out. Uh, lasting out. We are looking at Mark chapter 1, verse 29 to verse 34. Now, a recent paper which was published uh, recently as I, in the British Medical Journal uh, says the children's program, Pepper Pig, is piling pressure on the NHS. Uh, as you know, Pepper Pig is a, is, a, is a children's program which is quite internationally uh, known. Uh, it's a British animated series. Well, according to this academic paper, uh, the GP in Pepper Pig, uh, Dr. Brown Bear, uh, he's too dedicated and fosters unrealistic expectations about family doctors. Uh, the paper says this, Dr. Brown Bear, a single-handed GP, with whom the GP fami- the pig family is registered, appears to provide his patients with an unrealistic, excellent service. Prompt and direct telephone access continuity of care, extended hours, and a low threshold for home visits. Now, as you know, this month we, the NHS celebrated its 70th birthday. Uh, but not everybody was celebrating, of course. Uh, for many people, the NHS provides poor service as far as they are concerned. It's under intense strain. It is struggling to cope with demand as the population grows and, we, and the population becomes more elderly over time. And some experts say the other reason is struggling to cope is that there are just too many needless visits to the GP. Now, <laughs> the debate about the NHS reminds us that all of us want good health, right? And we are desperately searching for a solution that gives us lasting health that meets that need for help. Well, this evening we are in Mark chapter 1, verse 29 to verse 34, which our brother Michael read for us. Uh, Mark, in this passage, wants to show us uh, that unlike the NHS, Jesus is a great physician we can truly depend on. And Jesus is far better than Dr. Brown Bear because he not only is able to meet our physical health needs, Jesus is also able to heal us at a bigger problem. He's able to provide spiritual healing from the spiritual sickness of sin. Look with me at Mark uh, chapter 1 verse 29. The, the first lesson we learn here is that we all want good health. We all want good Now, Jesus has just delivered a man from a demon. We saw that this morning, didn't we? He walked into the synagogue from from verse 21 to verse 28, and he he exercised that demon from the man. Uh, But now, and everybody is amazed. We we saw that this morning. Everybody is completely amazed by what Jesus has done. But instead of Jesus sitting there and milking the applause... Mark tells us in verse 29 that Jesus gets away quickly. Look at verse 29 of Mark chapter 1. And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. So Jesus has left the synagogue now 
and he's gone into Simon to, to stay with Simon's house. That's where he's gone. And experts tell us that the house of Simon is actually just a short 83-foot walk down a narrow valley from the synagogue. So that's where Jesus has gone. Andrew lives with Simon, and he's gone there with John and James. The other person who lives with, uh, uh, with, with Simon is his mother-in-law. Uh, the mother-in-law of Simon has come to live with him. Now, we don't know why she's staying with Simon. Uh, maybe her husband is dead and she's now staying uh, with Simon. Oh, she's just visiting. Her mother-in-law likes to pay a visit to see what's going on around the house. And maybe she's, she's doing that. But one thing we know is that she's fallen here while she's at Simon's house. Simon Peter's house. Let's read on verse 30. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever. Now Luke 4 verse 28 adds a detail here that Mark doesn't have. Uh, and it is that, that the fever she has is a high fever. Uh, which is just, Luke, Luke who's a doctor, of course, is really pointing out that, that it is a serious thing that this fever that she has here described to us in Mark's gospel. It's a serious thing in the first century. Now, it's probably too much to say that she's dying. The Bible doesn't say that. But if her condition at this time does not change, the family may soon have to make funeral arrangements. A high fever in first century is a serious issue. Now all of us here as we sit here this evening know something of what it feels for a family member to become unwell. Nothing at that time seems to matter any more than trying to get that problem solved. If you ever had a child who's unwell, you, you drop everything, don't you? You're trying to get that sorted out. And the mother-in-law has come and she's unwell and they don't really have a cure for this. And we can imagine the pressure people are going through at the house. Simon's wife must be very worried. And, 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 and so it's no surprise that um, Peter, immediately, Simon Peter, and his brother Andrew perhaps, they remember, oh, Jesus just cast out a demon. Let's talk to him. He should be able to solve this problem. So they, they go to Jesus and they ask for help. Let's read on verse 30. And Simon, now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him, him, that is Jesus, they told Jesus about her. So they turned to Jesus for help. And we have to pause there. Because we realize here is a house and someone is unwell. And that reminds us that we all live in a fragile and broken world. And we live in a world where people we love become sick. And they face the prospect of death. We live in a world in which we ourselves might become sick at any point in time. And we might be facing the prospect of death. And no matter how well you feel now, no matter how rich you become, no matter how many doctors you can afford, how many Dr. Brown bears you can get, we know that you cannot insulate yourself from experiencing poor health at some point in your life. And the truth is that all of us want good health for ourselves, don't we? We want people we love, we care about to have good health. And the reason we want good health is that God created us in the Garden of Eden with perfect health. 
But from the day we sinned against God, we rebelled against Him, sin entered the world, and we have all inherited now broken bodies. As I thought about the debate about the NHS and our general desire for loved ones to feel better and ourselves, it reminded me that actually this quest for us to be healthy, in some sense it is a longing for us to get back in the Garden of Eden where we are perfect health. The human quest to improve medicine and feel better is really a drive for us to go back to the original condition in the garden. We long to recover lasting health. But we cannot do it on our own. The Bible says that the good health we yearn for does not come from our initiative. No, it comes from God himself. Only God can give us the health we long for. And the good news we've seen in Mark is that God has come down to us in Jesus. And he has come down to us with power, enough power to even heal our physical brokenness. Not only our physical, but also our mental brokenness. And that is our second lesson we learn in this narrative. The first lesson is that we want good health. And the good news is that Jesus has the power to restore health. Jesus has the power to restore health. So let's go back to to this narrative. So Simon goes to Jesus. We've seen. And he says to Jesus, look, I know know we don't know each other for long, but is it possible for you to heal my mother-in-law? That's essentially the request is made to Jesus. Now, as I thought about that, though, the request for Simon to have Jesus heal the mother-in-law says something about Simon. I think Simon loves his mother-in-law. Uh, he's not like most, some people do, wishing their mother-in-law dead. No, Simon wants his mother-in-law to be well. And so it should be, isn't it? And Jesus immediately goes to her. Let's read on verse 31. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. That's Jesus. We must pause there again. Think about that picture for a minute. Jesus goes to this sick woman and we are told he took her by the hand and lifted her up. As I thought about this passage, I imagine Jesus going by her bedside. He's probably kneeling perhaps and then he holds her hand and gently but firmly helps her back to her feet. I thought that this is vintage Jesus. Jesus is full of tenderness and compassion here. He could have, you know, just commanded the illness from afar. But he wants to get personal. He wants to touch this lady. With those hands, the same hands that will be nailed to the cross, he's touching her. He's getting close with compassion, with tenderness. And by that amazing touch of Jesus, Simon's mother-in-law is now healed. And as she's healed, she has a spring in her step. Let's read on verse 31. And the fever left her, and she began to serve them. Notice here that there's no period of rest. Normally when you have a fever and you become well, there is sort of a period of resting for you to recover your energy. But no, 
Dr. Jesus has touched Simon's mother-in-law and, and he has filled her with that holy hands of his, with holy energy now. And she's now up and running and probably making a nice fish dish for them and she's serving them. This is food. She began to serve them, cooking up a good meal from the sickness bed now serving them immediately. And I thought about Simon. As Simon sees this, as they sit around this table now eating, I imagine that Simon is filled, and Andrew and James and John, they must be filled with such joy on their faces. Here they are now, with what you might say, superstar Jesus, driving out the demon in the synagogue, now in his own home, sitting on the same table with him, sharing the same food. Wow. He must be so joyful. We would all be joyful to have someone so powerful sitting with us like that, wouldn't we? But this is God. God is in the house of Simon Peter. And he's sharing a meal with Simon, James, Andrew, and John. We should note in passing here, friends, that Jesus is so full of love. Our Savior is so full of love. He makes himself available to sinners who do not even deserve to sit with him. We saw Jesus before making himself available to the demonized man of all people and driving out that demon so that that man now can have a better life. And we saw that this woman lying on the bed, Simon's mother-in-law, who doesn't even know Jesus, she wasn't well, she probably had never even met him before. Jesus makes himself available to her with those amazing healing hands and he heals her. I thought about my Savior and I thought, Jesus has not come to push anyone away. He is not pompous. He has not come to look down on you. Jesus is God stooping down to you. And Jesus is with us in our messy families. I would imagine Simon's family must be quite chaotic, perhaps. We don't know. They would have their own family problems. And Jesus is with them there in their messy family. Jesus is in our messy marriages. Jesus is in our messy school situations. Jesus is with our messy neighbors. Jesus is in all our situations that we find ourselves in. And if you're trusting in Jesus this evening, know that Jesus is with you in your messy circumstance. And guess what? He's not with you trying to look you down, trying to push you down. Jesus is with you with compassion, with tenderness. He has come to be with you in your circumstance. If you like to share a meal with you, to be on the same table with you, God in Christ is stooping down to you in your situation with compassion, with gentleness. And this is a gentleness we won't need, isn't it? I thought about Jesus and I thought, Jesus has not come to ask me to make his, my way to him. No, he's, he's in my life, he's in your life, because Jesus loves being with you. Even though you do him so many wrong. Even at this point, we imagine that Simon is not necessarily a perfect follower, is he? And we know he's going to make many messes. But Jesus still stays in the house with him. And I just should encourage all of us this evening. 
You should encourage us in passing to know that Jesus is with us in our midst and is not leaving. So let's go back to Jesus. Jesus is sitting down with his new friends for a meal. We were reading there. But as the sun sets, uh, we can imagine they start hearing voices outside. Uh, a crowd is already forming outside. Uh, and as the Sabbath finishes, uh, we have people perhaps who are lame, people with fever. We have demonized people all forming in this large crowd outside Simon Peter's house. They want help from Jesus. Let's read on verse 32 to verse 33. That evening at sunset, they brought to him, that is Jesus, all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. I want you to note carefully here, a very crucial point. Mark helpfully distinguishes for us Two groups of people seeking help from Jesus. Two camps. Some are sick and they need healing. And there's another group. Some are demonized and they need exorcism. Those demonic spirits to be driven away. I want to make an important point here, which is the Bible never confuses sickness with demonization. And as we go through Mark, we see this distinction is clear. Because it never does that because not all sickness is demonic in nature. Even though in Luke we have an example of a woman who is sick, who had been held bound for 18 years and obviously by Satan's work. But generally, these two camps are separate. But the key point here is that in whatever situation these two camps are in, both of them need restoration of health. They need Dr. Jesus to restore them. Let's read on verse 34, because this is what Jesus does now. Let's read on verse 34. And he, he, that is Jesus, healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. Not that distinction again. And it goes on to say, and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. Jesus is not interested in testimony witnesses from people that don't believe in him. From demonic spirits that have, that have only come to cause confusion. He doesn't want his ministry to be mixed in with theirs. He just wants to deal with them. Shut up. Come out. But the point we should note here in passing is something important. What Simon has done here. Let's not miss this. What Simon Peter has done. He has let Jesus into his own home. And allowed Jesus to use his house for the gospel. You must read again verse 33. And the whole city, the whole Bethlehem, we might say, was gathered outside Simon Peter's door. Simon has let out his house to Jesus. He's allowed Jesus to use it for the ministry. And as we, thought, we think about what we listened to two weeks ago when Jesus commanded Simon, follow me. And we made the point, what does a real Christian look like? What does it mean to be a true follower of Jesus? Keep your eyes always on the disciples. See how they are behaving. Because here we see Simon now showing us again what it means to be a follower of Jesus. It is to give up your very possession for the gospel. Everything you have, your time, your car, your finances, everything. Everything. 
And as we sit here this evening, we must ask ourselves, we, 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 we attend regularly church, but is your home open to Jesus in this way? How about your car? Decisions you make about your car. Is it open to Jesus in this way? How about the money you spend? Is it being spent for the gospel? How about your time? Where is a large block of your time going? Because we know what Peter's time, where it's going here. It's being with Jesus. Let me ask you another question. Are you willing for Jesus to just turn up and disrupt your life? The way you live. For him to completely take over your house. For the gospel. I think these are hard questions. I I thought about this passage and I thought, it challenged me. Because I wonder if Jesus sent a very five homeless people, right? Just five homeless people. He sent them to her house. How would I deal with that? Would I, would I just say, come in, have a rest. Let me go up and I'm going to shut off my diary because I know this must be from God and I need to spend time with them. Or perhaps I'm traveling off somewhere and I, and I know a believer needs a lift from me and, and, and I'm going this way, but I need to, but this person wants to go that way. Would I say Jesus has, has made this opportunity for me to minister to this Man, and therefore, I must alter my plan. Do you understand? Jesus is a disruptor in that sense. He's, he's coming to rearrange our lives so that they are only for him. We are not setting the agenda here. And the, the, the course here must be so difficult for Simon. Simon, all of a sudden, he would have planned to sleep at this time and this time this time. And he has a whole mob now. Outside is a not a mob, a large crowd, really. And some of them probably need food. Who knows what resources they're demanding from Simon. But his life is so shaped by the gospel that he's willing to do this even in so few days with Jesus. I think the point this passage is making in passing is that when we experience the power and presence of Jesus, it becomes natural to give everything we have for the gospel. Because you have to ask yourself, why can Simon do this and I can't do it? (laughs) My answer is, Simon was Jesus in the synagogue. He saw his power. Simon had been changed prior to that. Because he answered the call to follow him. If he can leave his business behind, of course this house is a small thing, humanly speaking. Because his heart has now been transformed. And he recognized it is Jesus is anyway. So it's not doing Jesus any favor here. It's merely handing back what rightly belongs to Christ. It is challenging, isn't it? And I, I encourage you to think about that. How are you living your life at the moment? How does it compare to Simon's? And as you think about that, notice also the benefits of that. Because I think the issue here is not just the cost. Have you noticed something that's amazing here? Simon has given up everything for Christ. I think if he didn't follow Christ, his mother-in-law may even have died. That's an important point. Jesus came into his house because Simon followed Jesus at the first call. So he's already been benefiting just from following Jesus. And actually the whole house, the whole town coming outside Simon's house is a blessing to Simon, isn't it? Because Jesus is using Simon's resources, using his house now as a conduit for blessing others. 
The point I'm making here, brothers and sisters, is that God can never be in debt to you. And when we surrender everything we have to him, we always reap more than we invest in the kingdom. And so there is an element of the prosperity gospel, of course, that is quite right in that sense. But of course, they've got some weird aspects added to that. The point is that God works within us for his glory in ways that we can't even fathom. So I encourage you to think about that. That was a side point, believe it or not. The main lesson we are learning here is that Jesus has power to restore physical health in this life, no matter what sickness or spiritual force afflicts us. Now, sometimes Jesus withholds physical healing. We're talking about healing. Because he has something better in mind for us, isn't it? Or he may have something better in mind for our loved ones. We might pray for healing, but Jesus always knows what we need. And sometimes he won't give us what we are praying for. But one thing we must never do is assume that Jesus cannot heal directly or that he's not interested in providing physical healing. We have before us a powerful and loving Savior. So whatever our physical situation, we must go to him with our health problems. Is it, is it mental health? Is it physical health for ourselves? Is it the, the, the mental health or physical health of our loved one? Let us take them to Jesus as Jesus, as Simon, as Simon did for his mother-in-law. And I just want to say, there's a lot in this passage, I'm going to try and move on. But I just want to make the point that I was so encouraged when I read this passage with the fact that Simon asked for Jesus to heal his mother-in-law who didn't even know Jesus, we would say. Who was not even technically a follower of Jesus. And that encouraged me because many of us have loved ones who are not even believers. And I think if you are trusting in Christ and you are praying for God to work in the life of someone or healing for a, for, 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 for a, for a dad or a brother and they are not believers, Jesus can still hear your prayers and he can stretch out his hand on them. And we want to have a similar example actually in Mark chapter 2 when Jesus heals that man, yeah, the paralytic man. And the Bible tells us that he looked on their faith and he healed him. In other words, our relationship with Jesus matters more than the people we are praying for. And therefore, we can trust Jesus even to heal non-believers, as he does here. The town of Capernaum, believe it or not, is made up of non-believers. And in Matthew 11, Jesus condemns them for not accepting him as their Savior. So my encouragement is, let us run to Jesus. Let us run to Jesus uh, to, to, for physical healing as well as spiritual healing, which we'll come to in a moment. And when it comes to physical healing, we rarely pray to Jesus with any confidence. Uh, many of us just coming to Jesus to heal us physically and asking him with that, with confidence, is something that we rarely do. Uh, often when we are sick, if you think about it ourselves, uh, often when we are sick, we call the GP, isn't it? We call the GP Dr. Brown Bear type. We go to the GP, or we run to the A&E, and often we do that, I've done it myself, without even saying, let us pray first. 
We just get on the phone, go. Now, by all means, let us go to our doctors because Jesus gave us the doctors. But when I think the fact that Jesus gave us the doctors tells me that I need to go to the giver first. And so let us ask the Lord to enable us to, in everything we do, as we pursue physical doctors, to go to the great physician first. In whatever issues or physical or mental health issues we are facing. I think the reason many of us don't pray for direct healing from Jesus is that we have come to believe that Jesus now only heals indirectly through the Dr. Brown Bears. Our faith is just enough to accept Jesus heals indirectly. Friends, has our Lord Jesus changed? Has he? Is he less powerful today than he was here in Capena? Is he less loving and concerned about us? No, the answer to those questions is no. So, let us use all the means of common grace that are out there. But let us make sure we approach Jesus first. Let us bring all our concerns and lay them down at his feet. Because Jesus is our great physician. That is the second lesson. So the first lesson is we want good health and the good news is that Jesus has power to restore health. The final lesson we learn here is that Jesus does even something greater than giving us physical health. Jesus offers lasting spiritual health. Jesus offers lasting spiritual health. Now, there is a danger, and this is quite important we understand. There's a danger as we study the book of Mark to see the miracles Jesus is doing here as what? Random acts of kindness peppered with moral lessons. That's how many of us read the Gospels. We are reading them and saying, oh great, you know, Jesus is healed here, Lazarus is risen from the dead. You know, random acts, like you're just going out there is like Father Christmas type, you know, doing great things and we can learn moral lessons and now they apply to us. That's how we approach the Gospels. But I want you to get this important point that we go through Mark. We must ask, why is Jesus doing these powerful acts? And the reason Jesus is doing these powerful acts is to permanently reveal who he is and the salvation he has brought for us on the cross. Now, you remember when we were doing Judges, I made great play of saying, look, the life of Samson, how does he point us forward to Jesus? Well, here what we're doing is this. So when Jesus is healing the sick, we should ask ourselves, how does Jesus healing the sick tell us about who Jesus is, first and foremost, and how does it point to two things? How does it point to the cross? And beyond the cross, how does it point to the new heaven, the new earth, the new kingdom that is ushering in, of which we are already part of, but of course it's got a not yet element. So you need to get that very clear. Even in your own private studies as you read the gospel. Where do I get this? John 20 verse 30 to 31. I write this down in the margins of your Bible. John 20 verse 30 to 31 says this. About Jesus and his mighty acts. Now Jesus did many other signs. Notice the word he uses. Signs, John. In the presence of the disciples. Which are not written in this book. But these signs 
are written, or if you like, recorded, so that you may believe what? That Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John there is just reminding these miracles of Jesus are signs. They are pointing us forward to Jesus as the Messiah who dies for us on the cross. And also the work is bringing in the new kingdom that is bringing in of which we are part of. And Mark has reminded us in that first sermon of Jesus in Mark chapter 1 verse 14 to 15. So as I said, the question we have to ask now is we have read about Jesus healing this woman. So what does this mean for us? As we look at Jesus and what he's done for us on the cross. Well, this healing here really is a picture of the spiritual healing that Jesus has come to bring by his death and resurrection. Where do we get that? Let's, well, we get that from First Peter, who was there. First Peter chapter 2, verse 24 to 25 says this about Jesus. It's a passage we are familiar with from our Bible studies. It says this. Of Jesus, that's Peter chapter 2, verse 24 to 25. He himself, that is Jesus, bore our sins in his body on the tree. Why? That we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. That is, you have been spiritually healed. For you are straying like sheep, but have now Return to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Peter is saying that Jesus actually has come to heal our spiritual sickness of sin and give us a new, harmonious and joyous relationship with God in Jesus. That's what this is all about. It's pointing us to that great healing on the cross. And we receive this healing, spiritual healing from Jesus, this healing from sin, the moment we are born again. When we are born again, we are made whole. We are given a new heart that loves and follows Christ. And it's a down payment, so to speak. The Spirit comes in our heart and secures a down payment because all the blessings of being born again, we don't enjoy them in this life. But instead, we enjoy some of the blessings in the new heavens and the new earth. Uh, if you like the good news of this passage is that if you are in Jesus this evening, this is important, if you are in Jesus this evening, regardless of your physical or mental condition, you already have lasting spiritual health secured for you on the cross. Now, now maybe as you sit here this evening, you are currently going through chronic physical suffering. I know some of you are going through that. Or perhaps it's just old age. Means that our bodies are wasting away, isn't it? As the years pass. Or perhaps as you sit here this evening, you are currently experiencing a prolonged period of mental illness of some sort. And that sometimes can leave us feeling completely paralyzed. Because being in a situation like that can sometimes even make us feel lonely and it, it can leave us constantly worrying about what tomorrow may bring. Well, this passage is good news to us if we're in Christ. Because as Paul says, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we have never been more healthier than now. And that's the good news. Of the, you have never been more healthy than you are now. Because you belong to Christ and he has made you spiritually healthy. 
You are healthy because he has already healed a deeper problem, a deeper illness, your spiritual sickness. And he's nailed that sickness to the cross. And guess what? The new healing you have received in Christ, your spiritual healing, comes. <laughs> I like this. It comes with an amazing, super-duper body and mind. Jesus, even now, is preparing that body for you. Because the Bible tells us that when we see Jesus, one of these days, when he comes in glory, we shall be like he is. 1 John 3, verse 2. One day, this frail body, as Paul says, will be fully transformed into a new glorified body. The body that the Lord Jesus has, a body with a perfect mind, perfect health, fashioned after the Lord Jesus. And this guaranteed spiritual uh, health that we have for, for eternity now, should motivate us now to go before Jesus in any areas we struggle. We've talked about the fact that we've got a perfect body awaiting us, makes us go to Christ for now, not only for our physical problem, but it makes us go to Christ now for that deeper spiritual healing. Healing from sin. Sins that we are struggling with. Are you struggling with an addictive sin that is wasting away your mind and your relationship with others? Is it anger, pornography, lust, or is it just laziness? Do you feel completely defeated in these areas? And many more. Well, if you have truly surrendered to Jesus, do not despair. Instead, recognize that Dr. Jesus has already, already healed you from these things. Already, you have been healed from these things. As Peter says, you are straying like a shepherd. You, you are straying like sheep. But I've now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. By his wounds, he said before that, you have been healed. Past tense, it is done on the cross. You have been healed from sin. You have been healed from your addictions. Recognize that. And amazingly, Jesus healing you with the same hands that he healed this woman means that Jesus now is available to you to energize you to live and serve him. Free from addictions even now. Uh, we see here actually that when Simon's mother-in-law is healed by Jesus, let's go back to that verse, the Lord gives a new physical energy to serve him. Don't miss that in verse 31. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. And the fever left her. And she began to serve him. As we think about that amazing healing that transforms this woman with new energy, the healing is symbolizing the giving of new spiritual energy that Christ now gives through his cross. Oh, in Christ now, if you like, they have been touched by the hands of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is resting on you. Jesus has not only healed you from sin, he's given you the Holy Spirit now to live and serve him. A life free from addiction. So whatever spiritual sickness you have come, you have, come to Dr. Jesus now. Do not be content with addictions to sin. Confess your sin and ask God the Spirit to break any addictions in your life. 
Because Jesus is offering you lasting spiritual help from these sins, which are holding you captive. So go to him and ask him for his power. And there's a practical application for us as a church. We have come to a savior who gives new energy. New spiritual energy. So we must not give up on people. We must pray for those among us who are struggling. Because we know we have a savior with the same hands that he touched this woman. Are the same hands which have been nailed on the cross. They are the same hands that sense the Holy Spirit. So we must pray for those struggling among us. And maybe if you're struggling with sin and you've heard this and yet there's no desire in your heart for you to be free. Well, that's a different issue, isn't it? Uh, if you're struggling and you're crying out Jesus to change you, that's wonderful. And we can pray for that. That the change comes. But if you hear this message and there's still no desire for you to be freed from your spiritual sickness, there's something wrong there, isn't it? If somebody was unwell and the physician came and said, here's the medicine for you to take, and they refused the medicine, or they had it and they stopped taking it, then we know there's something wrong with them. And the same thing spiritually, you've heard Jesus, the great physician, provides new spiritual energy through his Holy Spirit. He can transform you now if you truly repent and submit that sin before him. But if you're not doing that, then of course it means you are not genuinely converted. And if you're not, then you need to go and read about the demoniac we talked about. And the danger of living in opposition to Christ. But if you have truly surrendered to Jesus, if you know him as your Lord and Savior, this is good news. This passage is good news. It says you're already spiritually healthy. You have lasting spiritual health, regardless of your circumstances, regardless of your current physical or mental health condition. You have what matters most, the Holy Spirit living in you and the great future So your response this evening is to thank God for that lasting gift. Make your life to be enveloped with thanksgiving. Focus on thanking him for what he's given you. Keep your focus on the blessings that lies ahead of you. We have a great future, brothers and sisters. A new heaven and a new earth with great bodies. Yeah, even for me. I'm looking forward to it. Physical and good mental health. I can't wait for that. And I, I hope you can't wait for that as well. Amen. Amen indeed. Let's come to God in prayer.